I don't know who that is. You don't know who that is? I don't know who that is. I don't either. He's kind of our enemy in podcasting, I think. The, the thing that drew me to that camera initially was the size. Because I remember handling, when I was shopping for a camera, I remember handling, oh, what was it? The Canon 5D Mark III. I want to say it was a Mark III. Might have been a Mark II. Not 100% sure. I remember picking it up and going, this thing is gigantic. I would not want to walk around with this. The Canon? The Canon. The Canon 5D. So that's why I started looking at the mirrorless ones and that a 6,500 was the one to get at the time because of the size, because of the Sony, Sony does a really good crop sensor size camera like that. Is this the one that has, is this the one that has battery problems? If you're recording 4k, that one actually is not too bad. I think the one that you're probably referring to is the a 6,500, not 6,300, the earlier generation. And the 6,000. Those were both, those both burned through batteries very quickly and they also tended to overheat when you were shooting like high res video. But yeah, that one's great. I took that one to Hawaii when I went there last year and it worked out really well. Got some good shots. Do you want to give it to me? I mean, I'll sell it to you, it's for sale. I am selling it. Listeners, if you're interested in a gently used Sony A6500 with the 18 to 135 kit lens, also a bunch of accessories like batteries and pretty sure I have the plug-in mic laying around here somewhere. I am definitely interested in selling this, so let us know. It's very clicky. Lots of click noises. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I like it. It's it's very authoritative with the buttons and the the dials and such. So imagine that I'm a noob and I've only used old digital cameras. Tell me why I want this one. Why do I want a mirrorless? Old. I have the D seven thousand, which is just a regular. It's a DSLR, right? DSLR. It's pretty yeah. big. So the the biggest advantages with the mirrorless systems these days are the size, right? Um, you have kind of two main sensor sizes. With the mirrorless ones, you've got the full frame, which is what you're used to from the DSLR world. And you've got what's called a crop sensor or an APS-C to be specific. So the thing about the crop sensor is that it's a little bit smaller and it uh, changes your focal length because of the size of the sensor. So for example, an 18 millimeter focal length on an APS-C sensor is the equivalent of a 27 millimeter focal length on a full frame. So that's the important thing. Some people say that there's a difference between how much light you can get into a full frame sensor versus APS-C. Yeah, maybe. I mean, isn't that the whole thing is the sensor size? That's what they talk about with phones. That's part of it. But the thing is you don't really see it. The sensor quality has a bigger impact than the sensor size itself, right? You see that with some of the medium format cameras that have come out, which have these gigantic, gigantic sensors um, that don't necessarily have much better 
image quality than say a full frame or even the APS-C. But the APS-C size sensor, the smaller sensor, allows you to build smaller bodies around these sensors. So that's really good. That's the weirdest photo you've ever taken of me. No, it's not. It's actually pretty good. It's of your face in the middle of podcasting. It looks so weird. Oh. Since this you said one that, looks I'm gonna, really good. Yeah, so the one that Greg is handling now is my second camera. This is the one that I picked up after the Sony is the Fuji X-T2. Now, the reason why I picked this up is that the Fuji X-Series has a very uh, kind of specific way that you interact with it. It has a very specific way that's set out. You'll see on the top has dials for all kinds of stuff. It's kind of old school that way. Whoa, that's the that's the shutter? Yeah. Whew. And it's old school is that it has a threaded shutter, so you can have a little cap. Um, so I have a gray one on there right now, but a lot of people like the the red ones, similar to the old Leicas. Uh, but you'll see those, those top dials, Greg. You've got uh, all the way over to the left, you've got your ISO. The first one on the right is shutter your speed. shutter speed. And then all the way over to the right is your exposure comp. Oh. And then what happens is, is that the ring that is closest to the body on the lens is your aperture. So you can actually control your aperture. So if you set all of your dials on the top to auto, and you're just rolling back and forth on your aperture on the aperture ring, that's essentially aperture priority focus, right? Average priority exposure. The dials are all really nice. The, the aperture ring on the lens is kind of an old school way of doing things. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It's really <laughs> very clicky and feels good. Yeah, this one has a lot of uh, options on it. Yeah, it's it's very tactile, which is the thing that I like. I think that the the things that drew me to this camera mostly were some of the film um, film simulations in the camera uh, look really, really good. Like just the colors are just, there's a, there's a look to them. Ask anybody who shoots Fuji, they'll tell you about the, the color science of how good the Fuji film color science is. But it's, there is this kind of a, a look to it that I really enjoy. And the tactile nature of the, the knobs, I can see kind of all my settings. I can change everything in a very easy and quick way. I don't know. It's just something about it. Just kind of. I mean, I'm sold on the me. top buttons, but tell me about color theory, color science, color science. It's just the way that a, a particular camera renders a particular set of colors. Right. So there, there is kind of, there's a, a little bit of a different rendering with like your contrast and how bright certain things are in your dynamic range. The cool thing about these Fuji X series cameras is that you've got a bunch of different ones built into the camera. Right, so they've got, um, they're designed to basically simulate actual film, like old school film that you would actually put into a camera. So you've got, uh, the one that I use on there is called Classic Chrome, which has got a very, it's old school, but it's still sharp, which is really nice. And it's got, you can change around the dynamic range and change some of the parameters around to customize it to your liking. So uh, that's really good. And then they've got some black and white film simulations in there as well, which also look amazing. So very, very good system. I'm enjoying the Fuji a lot. That's that camera is why I'm selling the Sony is that I enjoy using the Fuji more than the Sony. The Fuji brings me joy. And so the Sony, I, I thank it for its service and I'm having it move on. <laughs> yeah, this one seems pretty cool. It also has a histogram built into the screen there. 
Yep, those are all optional. Those are those are things that you can change around the settings. The the menu systems on those are really really solid without being super complicated. One thing I would say is a little bit of a gripe on the Sony systems is that the the menus are a little bit tricky to navigate. Uh, a lot of stuff to scroll through, a lot of settings to set. But once you have those all set, it's it's very nice. But that initial setup can be a little bit more involved. So when do you take this versus your phone? That's a good question, Greg. When do you think? I don't know, because I have the I have the Nikon, and sometimes when I travel, I don't even take it. Well, the Nikon is huge. Yeah, it's it's, it's not that big, but it's about the same size as this. Maybe the body's a little thicker. Yeah, the body thickness is the thing that turned me off because it was like, it didn't fit my hand very well. I didn't feel like I had a good grasp on it. But these smaller ones, uh, the, the mirrorless ones tend to be a little bit thinner front to back on the body. The thing about this Fuji, though, is that the actual hand grip uh, doesn't have that much depth. So you'll see that I have yeah, the little, an little actual adapter thing. Yeah, that actually... Uh, came with I bought that pre-owned so that came with the package that little base plate hand grip thing is actually the official Fuji one it's actually pretty pricey it's about $120 new so that got thrown in with the with the camera body so that worked out really well you got well. the body used I bought the body and the lens used from two different sellers which uh where did you go to get them uh I used. got them on eBay what was your eBay. experience buying things on eBay I've bought and sold stuff on eBay actually a lot over the years um, I remember before I moved to Los Angeles, I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay. Went pretty easily and swimmingly. I don't know if I would necessarily sell something as expensive as camera equipment uh, on eBay, but buying pre-owned camera equipment on eBay is actually not too bad. The Fuji lens, the Fuji X-Series lenses are legendary for being very high quality, durable, uh, very sharp well-made lenses i mean they're kind of uh they're so made in japan they're so made like with these very legit ways of making lenses i don't really know the science behind it but they're they have a very good reputation the entire range you've got a whole range of all the lenses that you would ever need you've got a zoom that goes all the way down to eight millimeters what's the best uh long range lens you can get for the sony I think there is a 70 to 200 for the Sony, although it would look ridiculous on that body, though. It would look absurd. The 70 to 200 for the crop sensor for the Sony, I think, is probably about twice as long as the one that's on there right now. And I think it's bigger around, too, so it would just look absurd. Uh, the smaller sensor, the APS-C sensor, is not... It's probably not... It's not going to work as well for something like a long range, something like a 200 or a 300. I don't know if there's a 300. That might be something worth looking up. Let me check real quick. I mean, are you looking for like a 200 millimeter lens? Like, what are you looking for exactly? I don't know. I mean, that's one of the things that I got my Nikon for is I like doing nature photography. Uh, and you need, definitely need longer lenses to get any kind of animal to not run away from you. That's true. But, you know, I don't know. That was my thing that I did when I lived in San Diego and there was a lot more outdoor stuff. But now that I live in the, you know, amazing city that is Los Angeles, I don't know. I haven't really been inspired to, like, use my camera ter terribly a lot, terribly much. Yeah, I think for me, the instances, to answer your earlier question about when I pull out my camera versus my phone, I, I if I'm doing something outside, like if I'm going on a hike or if we're going out to the beach or something, I am purposely planning to bring my camera, 
right? I, I've planned ahead to go, okay, I'm going to bring my camera. Let me get my strap. Let me fill a couple extra batteries. Let me make sure I'm good on my cards and whatnot. And so I know that I'm going to bring that with me, right? The The phone is more in situations where you may not necessarily have been playing ahead, uh, but it still works because, as we all know, the best camera is the one that you have on you, right? Who said that? I don't know, but it it is both 100% true and 100% sad as well because that is a quote that many people go, oh, well, I have a camera on my phone, so I don't need like a big old mirrorless camera or whatever, or I don't need a Fuji or one of these Sonys that Albert is selling. <laughs> I don't need those. I can just use the one, one on my camera or use the one on my phone. It's fine. What do you think, Greg? Uh, I mean, when I travel these days, I kind of just bring my my iPhone. Um, I'm not particularly that happy with my iPhone XS Max camera. It's really, it's really annoying because like it has this interesting like silver ring around the two lenses. I could sh- I could show you. Okay. See that little ring? I do see the ring. Yes. I think that that ring reflects light into the camera. I could be wrong, but ever since I got this camera, I feel like there's like a much more probability of having reflections of light into the lens or it's the coating that they put on the lens. Yeah, that is a weird place to put something reflective is around the edge of where the lens is and also around the edge of where like that flashes. I think you would have some weird artifacts from that. Yeah, I feel like when I got it, I just pointed the camera at the a light in my front yard, like the first photo I ever took. And it had like just starlights, star reflections or whatever. So you're getting weird uh, artifacts from that? That is strange. It's very weird. Like even if you like just hold it up against like those lights up there. And it just always has light reflections in it. Or if you were to have like a light in a relatively dark area with just a light pretty far Uh, away. I think I see what you're talking about. It does that, and then it also actually does like the star stuff, like the. Yeah, I'm seeing it. I see a green circle. Yeah, the green I circle. See a green circle. That's not. That's not a good flare. That's not a JJ Abrams flare. That's a what the hell? No, is that it's flare? a wrong kind of flare. And I think it has to do part. The green flares, I think, has to do with the coating they put on the glass in front of the yeah, lens. Yeah, that actually comes from the glass. That's a that's a thing that whenever I read lens reviews for like mirrorless and DSLR cameras, that's the thing that they talk about with uh, flares whether it's green, whether it's circular, things like that. And the color of those weird little sunspots definitely comes from the actual coating of the lens itself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever had this problem on my iPhone 8 or 7 before that. But this one apparently has, I think, one of the better sensors for a, for a phone. Mm-hmm. You may disagree because you have a Pixel. I mean, they're all pretty good these days. I did listen to a podcast recently, and they were talking about camera photography. I think it was Connected. And they had a guy on there and they were talking about all the different, uh, like he was a professional photographer that uses phones a lot. And he was talking about the difference between the Android and the iPhone cameras and saying that they're actually very, very similar in quality, like the actual quality of the lenses. Right. But the difference is, is that Google adds more contrast and saturation to their processing so that the photos get like higher DX scores because they technically look better. Whereas iPhones do everything that Apple does and they do things a certain way. Right. And they're very like non, they're very conservative with the way that they edit photos so that they're more accurate, but more boring looking. 
But then if you take any photo from an iPhone and you put it into, if you were to shoot in RAW, for instance, and you'd kind of adjust it a little bit, you can make it look very similar to a photo that's taken on an, uh, on a Pixel. This was a comparison specifically with Pixel. It did not include the Samsung one or... No, I think mainly because the the big hubbub about these two cameras was that the two phones was that the Pixel had a better DX score than the iPhone. Yeah. Because it was just like slightly better. I think and that's I think true. That was one of the reasons. Because in, in reality, they're both using whatever the best tiny little sensor technology they can. Although the Pixel does it with one lens and that one does it with two. Yeah, the actual hardware itself in the two phones is pretty similar. But like you said, the, the post-processing that's built into the cameras is a little bit different. Yeah. The, the older Samsung Galaxy cameras were well-known for being super saturated. Like very, very... Like somebody just took the, the slider and so whoosh, yeah. all the way up. I mean, because it's just more poppy and then people are like, oh, that looks really yeah, cool. Oh, it's so bright. Oh, it's yeah. so great. So, and the other thing that he said that was really interesting was that uh, with phones, he was saying that it's not always the best idea to take things in RAW because the camera does quite a lot of processing itself. And the amount of raw data that you capture out of a raw photo on that size lens or that size sensor is not as, it's not as much as you would think it would be. Yeah. It's not going to be like a 10 bit photo. Like it's not going to have enough. Yeah. There's like not more said, data in it. Enough to be able to really pull some, some good stuff in, in post. So like how many megapixels is your Fuji? I don't actually know off the top of my head. I mean, not that it actually matters, but maybe something like that. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. But it does actually... shoot raw, and the, the the raw images out there are really, really good. Um, I've been shooting raw plus JPEG. Uh, yeah, because I used to do that. The JPEGs I can just send straight to my phone. I actually tend to do my post processing in Lightroom on my phone. On your phone? On my phone. Do you not have a tablet because you live in an Android world that doesn't have good tablets? Sorry. It's true. Damn, that's harsh. It is. I mean, it's, it's harsh, burn but you. it's so true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, the the iPad is probably the iPad I would is argue, the only tablet worth buying. Listen, I would argue is, that it's, this is a, this is coming from a yeah. not Apple's biggest fan. The iPad is the only tablet worth buying. People do not bother with any of the Android tablets out there. I would Chromebooks, argue that it's on the actually, other hand is something completely different. Yeah, that's a different conversation. But you yes, don't I, like the I, MacBook Pro? Oh Jesus! What? This is news to me. I didn't know. I did not buy two MacBook Pros so I could get 16 gigs of RAM. Did you buy two of them and then stick the logic boards together so you can get 32? No. Do you remember when we were at Starbucks that one time and there was a guy with who, Captain who, Commander? No, no. There was. I, I think this person went to the bathroom or something. But there were literally two of the Touch Bar 13-inch MacBook Pros sitting on top of each other. Why were they like? I don't know. But it reminded me of a tweet I saw from an account called Not Johnny Ive, which is a parody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a I mean, tweet. no, I would imagine that that would not be a parody. That but seems like a real thing. That might He might actually be him because it's yeah, so it spot be. on. It's yeah. so spot on. Anyway, check that out. But uh, it reminded me of a tweet where he said, uh, and this is when the 2016 Touch Bar once came out. He said, oh, you want 32 gigs of RAM? Very easy solution. Buy two MacBooks. He actually this guy said, lit- oh, it was the not guy. The not Johnny Ive. Yeah, I almost was. thought it was him because that sounds like something That sounds Johnny like something he would say. That sounds yeah. exactly like something he Maybe, would you say. You know, put one of your high memory applications on this one and then have another one of your high memory applications on that one and then get this Apple design $180 KVM switch and you're good. Right? Why hasn't Apple done a KVM switch? They don't. They fundamentally don't believe that you need a KVM switch. They're like, if you can't do it with this one computer. With this MacBook with one with port. With this, this beautiful slate device. This, this object. This object. 
here. If you can't do it with that, then you can't, you can't do it. Yeah. Why would you need two? They're like, what? We're going to make a device so you can control our device in like a Windows computer? What's a server? A Linux computer? I don't know what that is. They don't know what What's those things monitor? are. They're like the only computer object that exists. The pinnacle of computer objects is this thing. Yeah. But anyways, we digress. We digress. So yes, I do edit photos from the camera on my Pixel 3 XL in Lightroom because Adobe was smart enough to make Lightroom available on Android. Yeah, it's on iPhone too. And, I don't really well, use it on my phone. But. This goes back to uh, Adobe not bringing their stuff to Linux, even though it would be trivially easy for them to do and they would make a ton of money. Anyway, that's something else. I think you should but, prove that. I think that you should do a survey. Well, they see did. How many no, Linux they did. So this, a couple of weeks ago, there was uh, an item on their support form where somebody was asking about it. And the official response, so they actually got a official response that said, if enough people upvote this, then we'll take another look at it. What was the upvote count? It got, well, here's this next step <laughs> of the thing. So it got so many upvotes because all these Linux people it on Twitter were server. like, it, it kind of did. So what happened was the up phones went into negatives and they were like, oh, see, not quite. So it got all these upvotes, right? In the span of a couple of hours. And then the post disappeared. What happened? So all these links, people are like, wait, this thing that has a thousand votes on it just disappeared. Wait, it was a thousand before it disappeared? It was a thousand in like a couple hours. You can't hours. make money off a thousand people. Not no, but this was, no, this was just, hey, take another look at this, not make this right now. Anyway, let me finish yeah, the okay, story because okay. it's actually uh-huh. interesting. Post disappeared. Yeah. And went away for like a couple of days. Did so Johnny all the Ive people, deleted? Johnny Ive deleted it. He might have. He was like this object, this form post, this form post object. Literally, this this object of data right here, delete. Not that, not that kind of object. Oh, he doesn't know what that kind of object is. I don't think. Anyway, post disappears after it gets a ton of votes, a ton of exposure. Linux people, being the conspiracy theorists that they are, are like, "Oh, so that was a publicity stunt. That's cool. Adobe really just hates Linux, and they're not going to do anything." Fast forward a couple of days, post comes back with an official response from like one of their very high-end development managers. Big old novel of a thing on there. He says, hey guys, we're sorry that this came down. There were so many votes on it in such a short amount of time. It triggered our spam filter. Wow. It triggered our, basically, our DDoS for voting system filter. We will take another look at this. However, we can't make any promises. You know what else triggered the spam filter of a lot of businesses? What's that? Adobe Flash. Sick burn. That's true. But thankfully, Chrome took care of that for us. <laughs> anyway, going back to that story, what that means now is that Adobe at least is aware that people wanting Adobe products on Linux is a thing. Yeah. Are they going to do anything about it? Yeah, probably not. The thing is, is that this has always been the problem with Linux is that's a chicken or the egg problem, right? Linux sucks because there's no software for it. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't people build software on it? Because Linux sucks. Yeah. Well, no, it's because there's no software. Because there's no software. Yeah. Right? If Adobe were to make all their products Linux compatible, hell, charge the same price for it even, more people would use Linux. But you can use Photoshop on an iPad in a year. I mean, you could, but if I'm already, like, if my desktop setup I have in there, if I could run Lightroom on that, I would edit photos on that. But what if you could take an iPad plug it into a screen and then 
Can you do that? Can you plug a screen into? Yeah, so the whole new iPad was for the light, the the Thunderbolt port, the USB C Thunderbolt. You can actually do that. You can plug it goes into to a, a screen. Four, four, four or five K screen, and I don't know if it's five K. I think it's four. Does it mirror or does it extend? I don't know that. I haven't looked into it. Yeah. But the Look. thing is, you'll never get a four K lightning or what are you saying lightning? You'll never get a USB C screen that has a touchscreen. That the Apple would be like, yeah, you can control. I've always wondered, like, what is the point? You can take whatever's on that screen and you can add an additional screen, I guess, on the display. But then how do you interact with it? They don't allow mice or Mises. They don't, they barely allow keyboards. I mean, they do, but they're not like, they're not like USB. I don't know. I don't know if you can use USB-C keyboards, but they're not like legit keyboards. Yeah. So how are you going to turn this like little object into the perfect driver for a screen? It's a $2,000 presentation device. I think that's what it is, but which is dumb. But. Well, they're they're, they're theoretically going to do something in iOS 13 that might make it so that you can control screens, but I don't know what that would be because they don't have any. There's no 4K USB-C touchscreen displays. Maybe they're coming. I don't know. Maybe the new. That's display. actually a very interesting point, right? As as your product lifecycle for the iPad goes, okay, this is your computer now. Yeah. Well, then you actually have to make iOS a computer software. A, com- a computing operating system. Oh, well you have to be able well to enough. extend to external monitors. Yeah. You have to give me all the input devices that I need. You have to be able to somehow make your touch interface play nicely with this non-touch interface. You have to deal with multiple monitor resolutions, which is something that has not been solved either in Linux or Windows or whoever. These are hard problems. And iOS traditionally has been able to skip by on these and not have to deal with them. Yeah. And which was kind of one of the points of iOS is to simplify your life. But the more and more that you tell me that iOS on the iPad is a, is a computer, well, okay, prove it. Do computer things. Do the basic stuff. I have a keyboard with carry blue switches in there that I want to use on my iPad. I think you actually I do I do can. I think you can use USB keyboards with it, but I think it's only certain models. Like I'm pretty sure you could use like some of the Apple ones, but I don't know if you could use the... Ch- I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they could use the cherry blue ones because you kind of... You do. You don't need a driver, but you need some kind of universal driver that converts between like an actual, like American keyboard. Well, how does your so you have an older iPad mm-hmm. with like a keyboard case type of thing? I do. How yeah. does that communicate with the iPad? I Bluetooth? actually don't have an older iPad. I have oh, oh. the most recent iPad that is not a Pro. Mr. Moneybags, Mr. Moneybags over uh, here. It's the, the cheapest recent. iPad that they've ever made. Mr. Moneybags over here buying Apple products. <laughs> I, I mean, I always buy Apple products, but it's the cheapest iPad that they've ever made, and it supports the last year's pencil. But it's Bluetooth, right? That's how the keyboard talks to the yeah, iPad. Yeah, it doesn't have any. No, I don't. I didn't need that. No. If I had, so if I had a USB C, that's the keyboard. Thing. I think the iPad Pro is a full capable of using USB hubs. So I think it can use USB-A, but I don't know. It does know. use USB hubs. Yeah, so I have seen that. Yeah, but I don't know what kind of keywords. It can. I think someone did a thing where they tested a bunch. Like, I think Marco Arment did a bunch of tests where he's like, I'm going to plug in a keyboard Ooh. and see what it can do. Never heard of that guy before. Marco Arment. I don't know who that is. You don't know who that is? I don't know who that is. I don't either. He's Anyways. Kind of our enemy in podcasting, I think. He's, he's our not our enemy. <laughs> What are you talking about? He is don't we don't we compete with all of the podcasters? Isn't that a thing? I don't think that's really how it works. This is pretty new for us. I don't really know. I don't I don't know if we're supposed to like have a dance off or if we're supposed to like talk. Smack no, about I think podcasters. you're just uh, you're just supposed to do a good job in the same industry that they do, and then maybe one day they'll mention you. 
Are we in the same industry? No, I don't think we are. I don't think we're in the same I industry know. as I them think, now. I think that they're I think all they're in a, saying that they are Apple pundits or Apple punditry. No, they don't no, always my, talk my, about iPads, Apple stuff. That is literally the Have only you, thing they Okay, you say about. that, but you, I listen to every one of their episodes and they don't always talk about iPads. I mean, Apple products. <laughs> they have demonstrated that their area of expertise is Apple products. Not really. It, I mean... I don't know. Maybe you should go listen to their podcast as market research. I How about that? can't because they say too many wrong things about non-Apple stuff. So I just stopped. Well, then maybe you should write some feedback and be like, we always be that guy who's like, well, I think you're wrong because this thing well, is wrong. Feeding the beast. I would just rather come over here and make give them content. content. And then maybe they'll come listen to your podcast and be like, well, what you said about Apple products is stupid. Do you think any of them actually listen to podcasts? Do they have yeah, time they to? They all listen to podcasts. They just listen to like a lot of like relay and like, their buddies podcast. Do you think they, I bet they're the type that listens to themselves over and over and over. I don't even uh, mean that in a bad way because I listen to our podcasts a couple of times, mostly for QA purposes, but I also do enjoy listening to our I listen to our podcast one time to make sure you don't make me sound stupid. Well, that's intentionally. Good. That counts as, that counts as a, a listen for us. That helps our stats. Yeah, I'm at least one, one of every listen you get. Yeah, that's true. This thing came with screws? Yeah, that's an adjustment screw, so... All so right, what? so tell me, tell me about this. Let's get back to photography. So okay. tell me about this. I was originally one of the people who got into Moment. And on that's one of the reasons why I stopped using, at least when I travel, I stopped bringing my Nikon with me because I got the wide, the new wide from the Moment. Uh, which if you don't know, Moment lenses are these lenses. They're, they're the best of the lenses that you can attach to an iPhone or an Android phone. So they sell cases with these little mounting slots and then you can click on a, a lens to it. And the lenses don't really, at best, they just don't make the picture look worse because it's not like the lens, like in a traditional camera, as far as I understand it, like, like your Fuji over here, if you put a better, because the, because the sensor is just a sensor and there's no glass in front of it, the lens that you put in front of it will dictate the quality. So yep. if you have this lens which is a, a good lens, um, you'll get pretty sharp, decent photos. But then if you put like an F2 or F1.4 70 millimeter lens on this and take a picture of a person, you're going to get like a really great sharp portrait with a lot of bokeh. Yep. But that's because the glass on it is literally... It's dictating the quality if, of the picture. If, well, if there was an iPhone this big, I think Johnny I would have a heart attack. This is like 15 iPhones high. Of lens glass. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You so, can't you can't stick a, a lens that size on a phone. I'm but sure. I'm sure you can. <laughs> this brings us back to the moment lenses, in that uh, Greg got me into these around the time where their I don't say their new wide came out. Maybe it was two right two years ago. I got mine right when the new wide was launching, and so was the battery photo case for the iPhone Seven. Was that the first battery photo case? It was, and it was very annoying. So let me tell you my story about how I got this lens. Yeah. I got it on Kickstarter, I believe. And I ordered it basically two, three months after I, the iPhone 7 came out. And it took until, this is just Kickstarter, the way that it usually works. But it took until like four months before the iPhone 8 came out for the, the battery case to actually ship. Yeah. And then when I got it, it had a bunch of issues with software where it wouldn't, either wouldn't charge properly or wouldn't determine that it was connected to the camera, wouldn't report itself to the, or to the phone rather, wouldn't report itself to the phone, did a bunch of things. But 
they eventually worked through all that. The software got updated and it was pretty nice. And then the iPhone XS Max came out and, or the X came out and I didn't buy one. I didn't, well, the X and the 8 came out at the same time. I bought the 8 Plus because I like the bigger phones. Um, but fortunately, the iPhone 8 Plus's case fit, or sorry, the 7S, sorry, the 7 Max case, I can't talk, fit on the 8 Max. What are the, Plus. Plus. Wow. They need to work on their naming. Anyways, the bigger phones worked between the 7 and the 8. So I was able to keep using the battery photo case. Then when the XS Max came out, it has an amazing camera compared, I guess, to the 8 Plus. But the shape of the phone is completely different. The lenses are in different places. And all of a sudden, my battery photo case is now not useful anymore. And I only was able to use it on one trip to Chicago. And it was really nice because the case will keep the phone charged at least, I think, 0.9 more. It's pretty thin for a battery case. Yeah, and I don't really care about the the ergonomics of it. But yeah, the ergonomics were good. It's a well-designed battery case. It's it's very fun to hold and the weight's good. But one of the real reasons why I got it is that it has a shutter button that's powered. And when you press halfway like you want an SLR and you don't fully depress it, it will do, it'll trigger the focus and it'll do focus lock. And then you click the button down and it does real focus, like full focus. Sorry, takes the picture with the focus already locked. So it feels more like an actual camera. Uh, It doesn't have the ability like these things do to adjust like any of the aperture or any of that stuff easily, but at least you could do the, the traditional photography trigger button, shutter button. Um, but you know, when I got my max, I ordered the max's photo case and that took six months to come. Cause I think I ordered it in maybe November and it came January. Like was that one off of Kickstarter as well? No, not? that was straight from moment. Oh, but you know, they're they're to be fair to them, there's a lot going on with like how they they make the lenses fit on the case to make sure the optics work. Because they're they're basically bolting another lens, a bunch more glass in front of glass that's already designed to work without any glass in front of it. And then they have to get the right distance from the from the lenses and make sure that like the optics that they designed for the old wide angle lens work on the new iPhone and work on Pixel and there's a lot of things that they do and I, I really appreciate what they do, but the the problem I find with it is that it takes so long to release the case, either the battery one or the non-battery one, that by the time you get it, you're already, well, at least with iPhones, if you're on the upgrade program, you're always halfway to the next one. The new iPhone comes out, what, in like nine months and I just got my battery case or my phone case? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a new one that's going to cost $2,000. In in October no, no. this year, but you are, you are right though. I think that one of the things that Moment did well is that they made the lenses independent of the camera. Yeah, right. And the so case. the only thing that you're swapping out is the case. The, the connector is always the same. Yeah, and that's I think is the way to go because you're always going to be switching your camera mm-hmm. or your not camera. You're always going to be switching your phone. Yeah, the phone has different layouts or whatnot, but the glass is the same. Assuming that it works, but so far Assuming they've been works. able to launch the same glass on multiple phones. Yeah, and this is the other thing too that um, from what I've seen is that a company like this, like Moment, where they're making accessories for smartphone cameras, it would have been very easy for them to just say, we only make stuff for iPhone because yeah. we're 
hipsters from well, originally the they did it was originally they phone. did but the thing is that they have been very proactive about embracing other smartphones and other cameras because if you're actually a company that cares about cameras yeah you don't care phones, about the phones yeah. you don't care about the phone and you acknowledge that the camera in the samsung note or the galaxy s9 or whatnot or the google pixel pixel 2 pixel 3 those are great cameras. And so if your glass is really that good and you want it to be on whatever somebody has in their pocket, then embracing the great cameras that are on the phones is the way to go. They are actually going to start making one for the OnePlus. It's either OnePlus or the Huawei. They just came out and said <laughs> that they're going to start, that they've had enough feedback that they're going to start making the one for the OnePlus. I think it's the OnePlus. I'll double check that for you. But yeah, it makes perfect sense because the lenses are the lenses. And so all you have to do is design a case. Yeah. And we've seen from a lot of the case manufacturers that, you know, that's been done. You can do that and then turn that around pretty quickly. And so just make a new case. And yeah. all the lenses are still the same. And so the lens becomes this thing. It's almost the same as with larger cameras and DSLRs where it's like the conventional wisdom is that you invest in glass, not bodies. Because the glass lasts forever. Yeah, the bodies change and they upgrade all the time. So it's almost that same mindset uh, for your phone, which I think is great. Yeah, I just was annoyed that I lost my... I don't really care about the battery per se, but I, I liked having the shutter button. The shutter they, is good. They probably should have put like like maybe a simple uh, CR-232 battery in the case that you could just like pop in the back of it. And then that would be enough electricity to power the shutter button. But I think it needed... Bluetooth. That was the problem. Because it's not just like a simple... Sh it's basically the same thing on the iPhone as the volume down button, but I don't think with the... I think actually the default volume down has the shutter depressed too, but the weird thing about the iPhone is that the way that you hold the phone in your hand and then kind of turn it to take a photo, the volume buttons aren't on the same finger that you're used to. Yeah, it's on the right wrong side. It's on right? the wrong side of the freaking phone. You're like, what are you guys doing? But then at the same time, like if you were holding the phone up and the volume button was on the right, it would be weird. So it's like the, the, it makes sense for using it as a phone, but it doesn't make sense for using it as a camera. I guess it so works if, for all of our left-handed friends out there. I, yeah. Well, no, then it would be on the wrong side of the phone. Cause then it would be over. Well, if it's, if it it's would be all, here. If it's on the right side of the phone, I'm going yeah. like this. If I'm left-handed, that works. Yeah, but that's weird when you're holding your phone like that. You're more like you're going like this, which is stupid. Well, the standardization on mirrorless and DSLR, DSLR cameras has been having the shutter on the right-hand side. Yeah, side but that's traditional. Hands. Like, that's traditional. I, I don't know how you would use it as a left-handed person, though. How do you use this camera as a left-handed person? I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I can't think of any mirrorless or DSLR body that has a left-side shutter. And do they make ones that have left side? That's I don't, an interesting. I don't, know. I don't think I've ever. Even that's seen an interesting one. thing for follow up. You should find a article about left handed photography. I don't think it matters. I, no, <laughs> it how really does it, shouldn't though, right? I like, guess you have to learn how to use a camera with your. I want to know. I think you have to learn how to use a camera with your right hand. Listeners, let us know. Yeah, or but you let you us know. know if you've ever seen a camera that's designed for left handed people. But the thing is, though, is that when you're like you're doing right now, is that when you're shooting with a camera, you're actually using both hands. Your right hand yeah, is you're on. you're supporting with one hand. Well, your then, right hand is on the trigger side. Your left hand is manipulating focal length on a zoom lens. If you're shooting manual focus, you might be manu uh, manipulating that ma uh, that focus ring. On my Fuji, um, I'm shooting with two hands all the time, right? Because I'm at minimum on the shutter and then on the aperture ring on the lens. 
So I've got two hands on it at all times. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, but you know, I don't know. That was the one thing I really disliked about my, uh, well, there's a couple of things that I didn't like when I changed to the max. I think either I have a defective phone and that's why it has such a crazy reflection. Cause I haven't heard it from anybody else who has those phones. It's just strange. That it's very strange. No, I was just looking at it. It looks weird. If that, if I had that in like a camera that I bought, I would not be happy. Well, I mean, it, it was one of the first maxes that went out, so there could be something wrong with it, but I don't know. I haven't I haven't taken a trip with it where I've used it a lot for photography. And I have I looked online when I noticed it and I didn't I did see some people that had complained about that kind of artifact, mm-hmm. light artifact on the X. So in that point the Max didn't exist. So it's possible that like that kind of design just has reflections in it or the coating or whatever. It's really strange. That seems like that would be a thing that would have been brought up this point. I mean, it seems like if you want to have a phone with a really good camera, you should probably point it directly at some light and see what it does. But then what they would say is, you know, don't point the camera at light. But it's like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to point my camera at the sun, but I might point it at something that has a light in the shot. I want to be J.J. Abrams. I want some freaking lens flares in my damn shot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but how did he make all that lens flare work? He had to like... He has an anamorphic lens. <laughs> That's like his signature. Like, So the thing with the anamorphic lens is that anytime you point it at any sort of light source, it does the thing where like the, the beams, the, the flares go straight across. It's a, it's, like, it's, like, it's a look. It's a very film look. So we make fun of J.J. Abrams for these. For those who don't know, J.J. Abrams is a film director and he has a thing where he likes to include lens flares in well, almost he, every film that he does. He stopped doing it as much. No, he didn't. He did it in... The Last Jedi. No, he did it in uh, Force Awakens. But I loved Force Awakens. But he did it in Force Awakens. He did Awakens. it a lot in like, the one that was made fun of a lot was Star Trek. The one that was made fun of a lot was Star Trek, but he did do a similar one. He did do a similar one in Force Awakens, but he does a thing where he lets the light come across. But the in that scene though that he did in Force Awakens is that it's that traditional anamorphic lens filler where the the brightness goes across the screen in a straight line. It's a very cinematic look. It's a very neat look. Um, And that's one of the reasons why you would get an anamorphic lens. Tying that back into our discussion about moment is that moment just came out with this anamorphic lens. Yeah, I seem to be holding an anamorphic. Yeah, you're holding it. I just got mine a month ago, maybe. How long between when you ordered it on Kickstarter to when you got it? I ordered it. It's all, I mean, you're looking at almost a year at this point. I think I ordered mine. I want to say March of last year. That's crazy. You Not know how many J.J. Abrams style movies you could have made between then and now? A lot. If I was a filmmaker, yeah. Well, I, I mean, you have an anamorphic lens. I have an anamorphic lens now, so I can get all the sick lens flares. What are you What are you going to do with this anamorphic lens? I don't know. I haven't really tried it out yet. This is the fun thing about photography and filmmaking, right? Is that you buy a bunch of toys and you just kind so of... So now you're a filmmaker? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I think you were just like, I'm not a filmmaker. And then this is one of the fun things about filmmaking. Well, I mean, we're going to have to make some sort of... I don't know, trailer for the YouTube channel or hypothetical future YouTube channel or something like that. I don't know. Gonna have some, gonna have some lens flare. Gonna have some lens flare in the thing. So yeah, the anamorphic lens uh, just came out. Um, I actually just got an email from them that they have finished shipping all of them. So they've been shipping them in batches over the last, I think, three months or so. So That's I got crazy. one of the last, one of the last batches, which is fine. I got it. It's still a very quality lens. It's still worth checking out. If you are, 
a mobile filmmaker where you use your phone to do stuff, uh, the anamorphic lens is worth checking out if you want to capture those sick lens flares. I mean, there's a lot of people that do use iPhones to take videos. Yes, this even is true. record film. Oh, this is this this ties into. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Greg. Did oh, you yeah? see the thing that came out today that Mr. Tim Cook announced? No, I don't. Uh, he announced do a, a little uh, a little photo contest. What a little shot on iPhone photo contest. Of course he did. And guess what? Guess what you get if you win. Uh, you get put on a billboard. I don't want to be on a billboard. Guess what you don't get. No, the photo gets put on, but not you. Oh, oh, okay. I thought it was like literally me. No. He's like, look at this guy. They just hang you from hang the billboard. Hang me from the billboard. Look at that guy. He took that photo. Isn't there one on Lincoln that has always been... Yeah, there's a bunch of them that are... What if they hung you from that one? I don't know. What do you not What do you not get? You don't get a phone? You don't get money. Why would they give you money? They're, they're giving you the ability to be on a billboard. It's free content, man. It's yeah, it's free for content they, for you if you're Insta- a photographer. It's Instagram. They invented Instagram. Yeah, but if you're a photographer... That's a, and- that's a meme, by the way. Is that taking startups who think that they've disrupted something and going, you invented X. This is X. You invented X. Hmm. Like they were saying, um, Uber was going to set up a... I think Uber came out with this idea that they were going to set up a scheduled, multi-person reoccurring sequence of stops in certain cities. And so people went, you, inv- this is a city bus. You invented Yeah. Is that called a bus, bus stop? I was about to say yeah. that. And then someone else came out with, um, they were going to start a school where you didn't pay any money when you went, but you paid a portion of your income once you got a job and people were like, that's taxes. You invented taxes. <laughs> no, you invented additional taxes because we already pay taxes for school. Well, they were saying that like, this system that you've come up with. It was like a charter that. system where you could right, take your money away and like... It was something, but... Oh, people. Yeah, so Tim Cook, well done. You invented Instagram. Good job. Well, he didn't... He he reinvented... Or didn't even invent. He is running a photo contest. I don't know how he reinvented... Well, the thing is, is that they can't even... They can't even innovate their marketing anymore, right? The, at, the, at least the original shot on iPhone campaign, they went out and found people photographers, amateurs, professionals, and whatnot. And they actually went and paid for good content. And they're like, hey, we'll pay you for this photo. We're going to use it in our thing. Now they're not even going to do that. Because what, they want their iPhones to cost $2,000? Like, I, it, it, this, is, this is classic big company, not even tech company. This is classic big tech company penny pinching for the wrong reasons. Or they've been they've been doing the shot on iPhone thing for like four years now, and they yeah, pay but they paid for, for it. Well, they the they go to photographers. They usually what they do is they don't. I I don't know if they pay them, but I think what they do is they give well known photographers access to the iPhones like a couple weeks early to go take a bunch of photos, or like months early to go take photos, and then that photographer gets exposure because then they could potentially be at the keynote. Well, this is a classic fallacy of things like photography and art, artistic and creative work is that there's no such thing as being paid in exposure. Exposure doesn't pay the rent. You, no, can't, but buy, these people, you can't buy ramen with exposure. And so the, <laughs> but these the people are already professionals. They don't need to well, get paid. Well, that's different. No, they need to get paid more. That's the thing. Mm. Well, right? If you're a professional photographer and your rates are something super sky high, you're not giving work away to anybody. Yeah, but a lot of the people that do the shot on iPhone stuff are not professional photographers necessarily. They could just be YouTube photography personalities that are like, Hey, you know, you can, you can shoot or shoot photos on an iPhone and put them on your, your Instagram thing like 
three days before the iPhone comes out and be like shot on the iPhone X 12. Okay. Do you, do you know the names <laughs> of any of these people? Well, I don't know the names of any photographers. So you're proving my point that exposure doesn't pay. So, well, it doesn't necessarily pay, but I have seen some of those photos. And if someone was like, if I cared about photography, that photographers, and not just like randomly taking photos, then maybe I would know who those people are. And I probably do follow their photography blogs and I'd be like, oh, cool. They have the new iPhone. I maybe I don't know. I mean, different circles, man. But I don't want to, I don't want to argue about Apple's marketing in a podcast uh, about photography this week about photography. Well, I mean, if the marketing is about photography though. Uh, I don't know. It would seem to me that it's relevant. No, it's relevant, but now we're going in, like we're going into details. Yeah. Oh man, so many details. It's just, you know, it's just a lot of details and we're here to talk about cameras and photography. Okay. So where life. are you at with your grand experiment here of trying to switch away from having a big, huge, because you and I are going in opposite directions. I am embracing having a camera with me when I travel, when I go uh, out in nature or what have you. I'm embracing that. And I've kind of chosen my camera's setups accordingly to work with that. And you're going the other way where you're switching off of the big DSLR, embracing the phone a little bit more, and you're choosing yourselves based on that. So I'm wondering kind of where you're at with that, with that journey. I mean, the, I started doing it. So let's see. The last time I actually took an SLR on a trip was years ago when I went to Hawaii for work. Before I did this, I was an audio and we had a client. In a past life. In a past life, we had a client who had a house in Hawaii and then we went to go work on it. It doesn't sound as fun as it sounds because I had to work 12 hours a day and I only had like a little bit of time to actually explore like one of the weekends. But either way, I took a ton of really cool photos. Some of my best photos I've ever taken were like on Diamond Head and just around Oahu. Um, but ever since then, like it's just such a pain to like take this whole bag of stuff and the other thing that I really dislike about photography is if you are like, say you're in Hawaii and you have this really crazy camera and you want to go to the beach. So you have to either leave your camera equipment on the beach by itself somehow and hope it doesn't get stolen because stuff gets stolen all the time, depending on where you are. And then you go swimming and then you're like, well, I have this really crazy camera that I got to lug around and make sure it doesn't get stolen. Make sure I don't leave it anywhere. It's such bulky, even a smaller camera like the Sony one over here like this is not that big, but it's not waterproof. No, it's not. It is dustproof, but it's not waterproof and it would still get stolen. So I don't know, like with, with the iPhone, one of the cool things is that the iPhones are waterproof. So when I was in Hawaii last time for my friend Bill's wedding, he was just swimming in the lakes, swimming in like we were kayaking and he like had his phone out. He like dipped it in the water. He like went swimming with it. He was taking pictures of us jumping off of like a little mini cliff. I mean, I'm not a really cliff, like a 10 foot cliff. I'm not going to jump off anything really high, but like he took video of us jumping off this cliff with the phone in his hand. He even almost dropped the phone in the water, jumped down because he used to play water polo. He's really good at swimming. He like jumped down and grabbed it before he lost it. But the point, and that was just because he wasn't, he didn't have a wrist strap. That's unbelievable. Hey, you know, and the phone was fine and it was an iPhone X. I would be more worried about dropping that phone on like some rocks or something than I would be about the water. You know, you have Apple Care and you have, you know, loss protection and you get accidental damage. You were told by Apple Care that you could do that. Yeah, you know, actually it, you, if you break your phone, they will replace it. I was in Portland uh, 
while ago on a little mini weekend trip and I had my iPhone eight or seven, whichever one it was in the little cart of one of the city bikes. And I was like biking around and it bounced out of the city bike and landed like corner of the screen first on some pebbly type ground fun cracked totally screen. The most cracked screen I've ever seen. Right. I went and on Apple's website, obviously there's an Apple store everywhere. I went to the service and I clicked through all the things and the, yeah, we still be Apple Care. And I clicked on all the things. And then they had a, they had an appointment for that day. It was in the next morning in Portland. So I had my phone's screen replaced in Portland. Like I, I was there Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I think it broke on Saturday. They fixed it Sunday and I had my phone back. It's kind of unrelated to why I wouldn't got away from the bigger photography. My point is, is that they're not as delicate of devices. Like if you break your phone and you have one of those accidental damage coverages, which I typically do because I don't drop my phone a whole lot, or, you know, you drop it in water and for some reason the water protection doesn't work and it breaks, they'll repair it. And you're not really out this like $2,000 camera with its lens. It's also easier to keep it in your pocket. It's not going to get. That's true. You could theoretically put it in a plastic bag and go swimming in the beach because it's already waterproof. Put it in a plastic bag is probably going to survive even if you duck down in the water for a while. Um, the salt won't ruin the screen or anything. So I don't know. They're just, they're more, they're more easily travelable and you always have to have your phone with you anyways. Yep. So the last couple times I've traveled, I went to Spain, just took my phone, went to Hawaii, just took my phone, went to Chicago, just took my phone and my, the whole, that time I brought my whole moment Got some really amazing photos of of uh, Chicago because I had the wide. Yeah, I saw those. Those were actually really good. Yeah, and it was just straight off the moment with the iPhone 7, I think, at that time. So pr- basically all the last trips that I've taken, the only additional thing that I brought was the moment, which at that time was the battery case and the single lens. And now that we both have lenses, we can kind of like whoever goes on a trip takes the whole kit. Yep. So that's nice. We're very socialist about our lenses. Yeah. I mean, why? I only one the thing, the other thing about the iPhones is they already have a zoom lens. Yeah. So you don't really need the moment zoom, but they don't have a wide and they don't have a fisheye and they obviously don't have an anamorphic. Yeah. So I think moment actually just came out with a new, which you refer to as a zoom. I think they called it portrait lens or a telephoto telephoto. Yeah, telephoto. They just came out with their version two of the telephoto. I think they shortened the focal length just to shh just a hair. I think they went from 60 to 58 or something like I that. I would imagine that's probably to support different cameras. That makes sense. That like is the probably Samsung the next one. Because what I'm, what I'm finding is that I tend to shoot at, I think the full frame equivalent would be around an 80 to 85. I think that's the one that I like to shoot at the most, which the lens I have on that Fuji right now, that is kind of the max because with the ASPC, it's like 80, right? Yeah. So that lens on there with the crop sensor, that lens is technically a 18 to 55 zoom lens. Uh, on the equivalent full frame, that would be what 27 to do math, roughly 80. 80. Yeah, 80. About yeah. around 80. Um, so the next lens I think that I'm looking at for the Fuji is probably the 56 f1.2, which is oh, it looks so good. I mean, I, I on my Nikon, I have the. So yeah, I have the old, not the newest, because they have like, Nikon's lenses are interesting because they don't have, like Canon has like two series of every lens. So they'll yeah. have like the the red ring 20, 70 to 200 that's like 2K. And then they have like the non-red ringed 70 to 200, which is like 
a thousand. So you can get like a budget version of a 70 to 200 whatever lens that has autofocus and has stability and everything. That's like a thousand dollars. And then they have one that has no movable zoom. So it's all in body zooming, but it's 2K. So like Canon has like really crazy kits, like really crazy, very good, tons of lenses, cheap lenses. And then they have really good, good lenses. And they have really good expensive lenses as well. Yeah, which is nice. One downside to the mirrorless systems is that the lenses tend to be very pricey. Like that, uh, that 56 F 1.2 I just mentioned, I just looked it up. It's a $1,500 lens. Yeah. Makes sense. That's a little bit of gear envy for me. Well, the thing about Nikon though, is that they only have like, the the ones that are designed so they have kind of like the low end lenses that are like the 15 or sorry like the 18 to 55s that come with like the D3000 equivalents yeah and those those also come on the the 5000 equivalents and then on the D7000 they have like the 18 to 105 which is a slightly better but still cheap lens and like a uh, bigger aperture too right probably yeah i think it's this i think they're all like f3.5 to 5.6 on the zooming that's pretty standard yeah, pretty standard. And then they have the ones that are designed more for like the D3 and the the higher lenses, the higher bodies. And those ones have like the 70 to 200 with no movable, like the lens doesn't move out. Mm, All the focusing yeah. is internal. But that's like $2,500. Yeah, the very expensive lens. And then they have this really dope lens that I want to get because I, I like the nature stuff. But this lens is gigantic, but it's a F4, I think. I think it's an F4 200 millimeter prime. A 200 pro yeah you know how much it costs Ooh. i'm gonna say six thousand dollars i'm gonna google it but i'm pretty sure it was like ten thousand dollars that <laughs> but that's the thing about expensive. nikon it's like they don't make anything Let's see nikon 200 millimeter f4 it is Uh, it, it can't. It cannot be cheaper than like probably seven thousand dollars for that lens, and it's probably gigantic too. I think this is the it's old. It's on a glass in there. It's not a zoom lens. Why do I not? Maybe it wasn't a four hundred millimeter f four. Mm, yeah, that sounds about right. That I think is what. That's got to be one of those where it's got like the support in the middle of the lens that you have to. Yeah, it's like the, a gigantic. Yeah. One. No, the see. Fuji the Fuji X series has a similar setup as well. There's another zoom lens. The zoom lens I have. Uh, for the X-T2 is what's considered the quote-unquote kit lens. Um, there is a higher-end version. There's a 16 to 55 with a constant f2.8. Yeah. Which is yeah, this pretty one, solid for a zoom lens, right? $12,999. Oh, man, it's Used got like an 10. arm on it and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like a legit, legit thing. But it's like they make those lenses and then they make the basic lenses. And this is one of the reasons to get at the truth of it, why I stopped using, see doing photography as much with actual DSLRs is, you know, me, I like the, the, the pursuit of the technology and mm-hmm. like the, the products more so than I sometimes like the actual art of taking photos. Yeah. And I feel like with a phone, you get what you get, you get the zoom Mostly the, you know, the, you get the zoom and apertures that it has and you get, you have to move closer and in and out of, of scenes to like get the right kind of photos. You got to zoom with your feet. You got to zoom with your feet. There's no like zooming with the lens. There's no like pursuit of the right kind of 
lens. Because if on my iPhone, I rarely ever actually zoom. Yeah, so you're less about the process of photography than it is about getting good photos. Well, for me, it's... I would say yes, I'm I'm a results person. I, I care more about getting the good photos than I care about the actual art of photography. I mean, I, I was done. I did art for a long time. Like I was, I went to art school. Like I, I, I just don't like art. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of like, I'm more of a, I'm more of like a results when it comes to art kind of person. And I'm a process when it comes to technology kind of person. Like I love the process of programming things and thinking about systems, but I don't care so much about like the process of doing something artistic. I like just doing and having the thing in my pocket, which is why I'm more of like the phones in my pocket. When I see something that I like, I'm one of those people where if I see something that I know will be a good photo, I will go through the lengths to take as best as I can a portrait of that thing. But I'm not like, I'm going to have a camera in my hand and I'm going to walk around. And I'm going to look, I'm going to do the whole process of like looking for artistic things around me and take them. If that makes any sense. Like, no, that makes perfect sense because that's, that's the, the opposite, the of, what opposite you of what I do. Yeah, is which that makes I, have, sense. I have started getting in more into taking my camera with me, looking for cool places to take pictures. Um, so recently I went up to Malibu and point doom. Actually, it was kind of a, what is Point Doom? Is that where Point Doom is like this little beach? Is that where Frodo thing? took the ring? Uh, no, it's D U oh. M E. Point Doom. No, it was cooler when it was D O O M. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, brought the camera. Beautiful day out. There's a little hiking trail that you can hike up. Um, it's not a mountain, but it's like a very large hill. And then the trail splits off. You can either go up the hill or you can go down to the beach. To the to your death. To the, the doom. To, to your doom. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Sure, but sure, sure. I, was, I was walking around here and the whole time I'm looking for camera angles and, you know, good ways to get this amazing beach or the rocky cliff part or the outcropping. And so I'm thinking of this because I have planned ahead for this that I know I'm going to be taking a bunch of photos. I've got my camera on me. I've taken a couple of test shots to get my exposure pretty close. And that process of it is part of it. I enjoy, right? Turning those little knobs and and stuff and I mean, this does things. have very uh, awesome access to those knobs. Like on my Nikon, it doesn't have the ability to control. Like mine, it has like a front swipey swipe thing, the little that thing yeah. for the aperture and that one for the shutter. But it's not. This is fuck really cool. I almost cursed. This is that much cool. Yeah, it, because they're it's all very right old there. school and it's very unique. I think Fuji is one I mean, of the only. This is more than old school like because that. I don't. I think there's only like a. I know that like the old Nikon film cameras had this. Yeah. But there's not like a lot of, because back then it was like only Fuji, Nikon, and Canon really made cameras. Yeah, Sony was not in the game back then. Sony wasn't in the game and this kind of went away to save money and time. And also you had a screen. They're like, well, you have a screen. screen now. You have a screen. Closure. You can just like control it on there. And it's like, no, that's not the same thing. People who are really good at photography and, and have been using film cameras forever they want to actually tactilely feel those buttons. And I, I like that this thing even has double stacked buttons, like the continuous long, continuous yeah. short shutter buttons are over there. I think this is what, the, this one is the the focus That types. is the focus area, yep. And the, the two main dials, the shutter speed and the ISO, 
the little middle parts allow you to lock. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, they're already locked, which is cool. That is cool. I mean, this yeah. is a really functionally cool camera. Yeah, I think that once I picked that up and started using it, the the act of being able to adjust my settings directly from there, shoot, look down, adjust, shoot, keep shooting, whatnot, that made the process of photography very fun for me. Yeah, I think this would make photography more fun than the way very that it enjoyable. is now. Like with with the iPhone, all I really care about is sometimes I see like a cool flower or like something that I think would be like really cool contrast with good light. And I'll take a photo of it, but then I never go back and like look at those photos. So I have like tons of photos on my phone of like semi interesting things. The only time I ever really actually am like I'm gonna take photos is when I'm wearing some somewhere new. So like I always like. Cause my mom was a photographer for a long time and she was like, she used to be a Nikon and she had like a knicker mat, like the old film cameras years Ooh. ago. Um, and was like really into photography and has a couple pieces that she's done like in like small magazines and stuff. Like she's pretty good photographer, like way better than me. Um, and she picks up like any camera and it's like, boom, good shot. Yeah. Cause she's been doing it for, you know, 30 years now. But for me, it's like, I, I don't always, I don't always want to do all that. I just want to like sometimes just for one, not carry a lot of stuff. And yeah. then two, if I see something cool, I just want to be able to take a picture of it. Gotcha. So I don't know. That's why I like the mobile photography, but I, I agree. It's nowhere near as the quality is just not as good. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting it's not really, quite really as good. good, but I don't know if it's ever really going to catch up. I mean, I've seen pictures come out of, you know, like a Canon 1DX or, a freaking, you know, $12,000 Hasselblad medium format yeah, or something along those lines. And there's just, there's so much detail and the colors and just everything about it is so really good. I don't know if a phone is ever going to get there. Well, it's physically impossible. The glass can just yeah, never. Yeah, it's just so small. I mean. You can't do it. Samsung is trying to make a little bit of progress there where they have an actual physically variable aperture on their lens. Which is insane if you think about it. That lens is so small. The, the Even the idea that you could adjust the aperture with software is crazy. But to actually have a physically yeah. variable aperture on that lens is, is wild, wild stuff. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Have you ever dove into, say, like a more manual style photo app when you're taking pictures? Like actually going in and adjusting ISO yeah. and stuff in the app itself when you're taking these photos? Yeah, I mean, I've used the uh, I've used the Moment one, and then I have Camera Plus for. I mean, they're different for an iPhone. But yeah, there's a bunch of different ones. Camera Plus has that kind of stuff, but um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I don't really always take photos. <laughs> I mainly just take them when I'm traveling because, like, I get. It's not that I like. I'm not one of those people that like thinks that I've like seen everything beautiful in LA because there's just like tons of times when you're like just in LA and you see this like really cool art deco building or like a sunset and graffiti or the like pond, a mural. Yeah, graffiti yeah. everywhere. If you just walk around in the city, there's so many things to take photos of that are amazing and unique that a lot of people may not find or have good photos of, even though it's such a populated city, there's so many things here, but for whatever reason, I'm just not always in that kind of mood or I'm not walking around or, I mean, the the main kind of photography that I've always really liked is is nature photography, taking pictures of birds and things that are like far away. But then the amount of glass and technology you have to buy to do that is just 
antithetical to it being a hobby. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like some of those longer zoom lenses can get really crazy, super heavy, just gigantic. You probably need to be rocking some sort of very heavy duty tripod as well, which that's not cheap either. Yeah, uh, I have one. I got my mom's old, and uh, I think it's a. It's not a Manfrotto. It's the one that starts with the G. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. I don't know the name though. Yeah, we can. Those look it are up. Ni- those are nice ones though. They it's are, like an old one that she got. Pricey. And it's still ago. probably solid because it's totally solid, insanely yeah. solid. Yeah. I mean, she probably spent heavy. four, five hundred, six hundred dollars on it. Yeah, it's, and very, it's gonna last you the rest of your life. Yeah, we kind of trade it back. Like she let me borrow it for a while, and then if she gets a different photography, I take it back down to her. And yeah, she can use it. I have a, a cheaper one. I got a, a Me Photo one that works pretty well. It's about one hundred and fifty bucks. Um, I don't shoot that much on a tripod, but there are situations where I have. Uh, shot on a tripod before so i needed one so i have that i don't use it too much but um yeah i didn't even break out the tripod uh was it sunday or monday that was the eclipse was that last you night? didn't know about i didn't know about it was last night the super blood was wolf it last moon night? it was either last night or the night before i think it was the night before yeah it was the night before super blood Wolf Moon has yeah. the most metal name ever. Yeah, whatever it was, it was amazing. Like uh, even with my because I pulled out my Nikon because uh, I was talking to my friend Bill and he just got the new Canon mirrorless, the EF whatever one that's oh, really the new nice. Canon mirrorless with the EOS R. Yeah, he just got that. That's cool because he does a lot of like three sixty photos and he does um three sixty photos of buildings is one of his like panoramas businesses. Like yeah. He has this, this thing that he takes photos of construction sites and does all kinds of cool stuff. And he's like a wizard. He'll like do all these crazy things with like, he 3d prints. He does the three sixty photos for fun and for like a work work thing. He's got drones. He's like a crazy hacker dude. And he does the, he was working on this one project before with the other camera he had before where he has this tripod that he put a motor on and he can actually like tell it to move to a certain position, take a photo and then move and take a photo and move and take a photo and move and take a photo. And he did it with his Canon. Canon apparently has a USB controllable camera thing where you can set like the exposure, the brackets and then take photos. Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, control via remote. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Figured all that out, got like a Python library that has, uh, like it, it basically it's a shell script that someone wrote that can control that bus protocol to the camera. Mm, and then he was trying to get me to, to help him, uh, learn Python. So I was like giving him some tips on how to do it, but he figured it out all on his own. But basically he took that shell script, learned how to wrap it in Python. Cause he was like, I don't really understand shell a ton but i know that i could like pass these he's like didn't really know what it was he was like pass these things to the program and it would like take these photos so it's going those are parameters and i was like okay you should take that and put it into like python's a really good language for controlling shell scripts you know write the parameters that you want to do in like an array and then map over them and then take the photos yeah automatically using this program so he wrote this like he went crazy he like wrote this this python program that drives the shell script and then he already had a Raspberry Pi that could control the motors because he already had a previous project where he created like a 360 photo automatic thing. And then he went and bought like a little LCD screen 
So he could have it say on the screen, like, you know, room one, push the button and it would take the photos. And then it would go to room two, move to the next room, push the button, it takes the photos. Room three. And then later when he's processing it, he can say, well, these are all the photos that were taken in room one. And then you can stitch them all together in whatever program he was using. And then you can be like, this is room two, stitch them together. So now he has like this really crazy system where he can take an EOSR and I believe, I haven't asked him, but I think his previous camera was a Canon, so I'm pretty sure it still works. But he can basically take this EOSR with the lens that he's got and like take these really high-end, like 27 whatever heck megapixel the EOSR is, photos of like 360 photos of a room and then walk between each room and take the photos using this program. That's that pretty wrote. neat. Yeah, he's like a wizard. So he's running all, all of this. What is he wrapping with the Python again? So he's, like writing, so he's writing his he's writing his kind of commands, if you will, his coordinates for the actual command itself in the Python. And the, Python's the Python's running yeah. this and Python's running this shell script, and that's all being served up off of this Raspberry Pi. Yeah, and he's got the screen that he's interacting with buttons with. that he can learn how to interact with and control with with the Pi. That's Python. pretty cool. Do you, do you know what kind of libraries he's using? Is there something that's kind of pre-made, open source out there? I think that no. Well, I think he's using the driver for the particular LCD he bought, but he wrote his whole program for it. I don't know what the LCD screen was, but it was like some kind of, it's not like a li- like a full-on liquid crystal, like one of the dot crystal ones, like the little, it can display like characters, but not, it's not like a full screen, touch screen or anything. Um, and then he has like the physical buttons driver thing and the shell script that somebody wrote to control the Canon camera's USB interface. Interesting. I'm doing a Google search right now. I've got... Canon EOS SDK in Java. I don't think that's it, but... John Maven. You might want to check that well, out. I think there's there's like people have taken the fundamental USB protocol and then created many programs around it. So this it. is not an actual like Canon sponsored thing. He's no. actually just writing against the actual someone, USB itself. Someone figured out how to talk to it because that's how hackers work. Very interesting. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. But he like does that. But um, That's pretty neat. What I was getting at, that was kind of a tangent because I thought it was technically cool, but... He was taking photos of the blood moon with his EOSR. Super blood moon. Greg, get the name right. Death metal moon of doom. Death metal moon of doom. Yeah. He was taking photos of that and he sent them to me and he's like, why don't you pull out your camera and take photos of it? So I like pulled out my D7000 out of the bag and all the the two batteries were dead. Of course. You got to have. I was like, yeah, you look around here. I've got. So I've got, I actually charged up some batteries. I mean, that one's it. charging that right one now. And, I've got yeah. one literally next to my bed for the Fujis. I've got two plugged into that, plus the one that's already in there. I How mean, you've got to have tons of batteries. I have, so for the Sony, I'm pretty sure I have five or six because the Sony is uh, well known for putting through batteries really quickly. The other thing with the mirrorless cameras is that the batteries tend to be smaller because the bodies are smaller. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the Fuji ones, I have three. I want to say three. Aren't they like 50 bucks four. a pop or do you buy like the knockoffs? I buy the knockoffs. Yeah, I have um, one Nikon one that came with my camera and then I have a knockoff that works yeah. just as well. Anything from Rav Power or Wasabi are both pretty good. Like Wasabi? Wasabi is the company that make, they like, make third party batteries. Are the batteries green? They have and like green spicy? lettering. I, I, I have don't you tried know eating one? Are they spicy inside? Are they actually spicy. made of Wasabi? I don't really like Wasabi like in real life. How do you anymore, but not? I don't know I, if. How do you not like Wasabi? I just don't. I don't like the weird. the spiciness is fine. The the horseradishness of it is what gets me. But anyway, huh. digression. Mm-hmm. Or is it? 
the the batteries. Yeah. You got to have a bunch of batteries from wireless cameras. That's I only have two, but mine my, my I mean I think that's the thing about DSLRs like mine when I charge it, it could it could last like a whole weekend of heavy shooting. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Easy. Yeah. If you ever seen a Canon 1DX, 1D, 1X, I don't the, the high super high I always one. hear about the Mark 2, Mark That's like 12, a 7 whatever. It's like a 6 or 7,000 dollar body. The the battery on that thing is like as big as my phone. It's like it's got a handle and you pull the thing out like this. That's the same sound effect as last week. I think you're using I mean, a sound effect. I've got one board. sound effect, guys. It's I think right. you I think you got a board somewhere. You've got <laughs> it wired totally, into the We bike. should totally have a sound effect. Board. I mean, you have the little thing with the buttons that you can do. I got the thing with the buttons, yeah, but we'd have to find some very I'd I'd be out here mashing it. I don't know. I think it would get weird. I think we need to this all goes it's turtles all the way down, Greg. We need a studio. So not a studio. Your living room is this a pretty is good st- studio. What do you need a studio <laughs> for? It's like a small space and you got towels all over the walls. It's a studio. I mean, that those are... I can't even see your TV. Community. It's covered in yeah, a blanket. It's covered in a blanket. It's because it's reflecting your voice into my microphone and vice versa. So that's why that's up there. But mm. if we had a studio yeah. where it was set aside specifically for us to sit and have a conversation and all of our audio equipment is set up and... Uh, I feel like that's what this play, every time I come in here, the mics are ready to go. Don't you just have them all the time? No. What the, <laughs> I mean, what do you look at all these cables? But don't no you just way leave them here? Like this. Every time I come into your apartment, they're there. I mean, great. Just because I live by myself in like this bachelor pad does not mean I live like a heathen. Like Jesus. Hmm. No, but wouldn't it be nice to have just a space? that's like a nice table where we can sit at. We've got our boom arms with our nice mics. We've got this, all of our equipment with like the blinky lights because I like watching the blinky lights while we talk and it's just all set up and it sounds really nice all the acoustics are taken care of with all kinds of sound treatments on the walls can we stream from there are you gonna we probably could with Park Inc are you gonna like get a bunch of RTX 2080 Ti's and we can play games probably maybe Maybe can you make like a podcasting enterprise so we can just buy cool stuff to play with just make a company so we can buy things. Well, that's, I don't I mean, think that's, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. But uh, RTX on. RTX on. Ray tracing on, guys. Mm-hmm. We would love to build up our operation a little bit, maybe. Like we said, we are going to be bringing some improvements to the audio quality coming up here. We got some equipment on the way. That'll, that'll be nice. I would love some boom arms. I know you don't believe in... I mean, I, boom arms, I have uh, an nice arm... Ones. Of types on my, uh, what is that thing called that I have? Your uh, desk? No, the, Your mon- Yeti. the mic, the Yeti. There's like a, there's one of those arms for the Yeti that like goes up and then it comes down again. Like all the streamers use it. Yeah. Tell, every, like, tell everyone how much you spent on this arm, Greg. Oh, the one that I have that's yeah. perfectly fine and amazing. It was $14 on Amazon and it's great. And holds the, the ones Yeti that up. The ones that most people use on stream. I think the... So the, the pricey ones that you see on like the Joe Rogan show and stuff like that is made, made by a company called Yellow Tech. And they're about, I'd say they're about 300 bucks. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, they're designed to handle heavy microphones. It's like a cable thing. You're going to attach The Yeti is pretty heavy and my $14 one is holding it up just fine. For now. You said that when I bought it. I mean, it's for still now. Up. <laughs> when is it going to fall? I mean, there's only one way that thing fails and it's not pretty. 
It's anyway, digression. Again, these these <laughs> microphone arms, yeah. uh, the nicer ones are designed to like they hide the cable through them. What do you? It's in a studio. Why nice. do you care about the cable? Because if you're on TV, you don't want a bunch of cables all over the place. Then you you don't know that you're actually in a studio unless but there's cables. Is, Greg, this comes back. This yeah. comes back to mm-hmm. the Yeti and that the company that makes Yetis. Yeah. Blue or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Blue has just recently come out with an arm that How looks much is very it? similar, and it's only a hundred dollars. I think I saw that one. It was was uh, recommended to me when I got mine. But the thing I didn't understand is that it like mounts to the front of the table and then like goes up and then over. But how tall does it go? Because it's supposed to hang down in front of your face like this. Yeah. Instead of being like, it would be kind of nice. I mean, but how long are the individual joints? Not the joints, but the. I mean, just how, what is the, the arms what is between the, the joints? What is the situation? Because the other problem is when I play with the Yeti on games, it would be facing directly down on my mechanical keyboard. Yeah, that's not good. You don't want that. But then what's the point? I mean, I guess that those are designed more for podcasting than they are for gaming. Probably, yeah. Hmm. But the idea is the same as to get the get the mic up off the desk and kind of allow you to have like your computer or whatnot and move your arms around and kind of do all this stuff. I mean, I do that all the time when I'm recording. I look like I'm swimming. Well, if you had a different... <laughs> Yeah, you're still you're still doing it. Are you getting tired? You look like your bird now. You're birding it. I think that's a backstroke. I don't know. I think no, I just hurt myself. I, um, how do you hurt yourself moving your arm? I I have an old injury in the shoulder, so I actually have to keep. Is that from hockey? Yes. Is that actually. your is that your arm slam arm? Your Titan no, shield I have a slam? couple. No, this is uh, this is a rotator cuff. So this is when um, this controls this movement in your arm. Does that hurt when you do that? Well, if I go too far, then it... So what what happened is I got caught in the boards this way, and my body went this the, way. The boards? The boards. The boards that go around the rink. Oh, so, so it was... My arm was over here. Yeah. Right? And I was turning this way, but I, I, I got checked, and so my arm went this way, and my body went this way. It tore, tore my rotator. Why is your arm still there? It just... It, it's it's, it's a, like a soft tissue that's in the joint. It's Are bad. you going to get new soft tissue? No, this was like literally like 15 years ago. I mean, it's been a long time. How long have you been playing hockey? I've been playing a long time. I've been playing since I was 10, maybe. Even before that, 10 or 12. Why aren't you like Wayne Gretzky? I mean, I don't know. I just did it for fun. Hmm. Should have tried harder. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) It's kind of hard to to become Wayne Gretzky when you grow up in the American South. Playing hockey. Where's he from? Canada? A little Canada, eh? Uh-huh. Weird place. That's where hockey players come from. Do you, although, all although, hockey players come from there? although to be fair, uh, there's a player in the league right now. His name is Austin Matthews. Uh, he is from Arizona. I can't believe we got to sports. It's well, well known that I just don't do sports. Well, now it is. I, th- I think that's the first time you said that on the show, though. I mean, if you want to talk about sports, I'll listen. But you know, well, the thing about sports is that they're. It's not about the sports necessarily. Is that they're related to real life situations, right? Like basically everything that a lot of what I have learned and what I know about salary negotiation comes from looking at Watching how professional <laughs> athletes negotiate their salaries. Because um, I want like uh, forty million dollars, please. That's not. That's that's. that's but okay. That's well, forty forty nine. That's really not how that works at 52? all. Fifty two. No, that's. Oh, no. You can't go up. Oh, no, okay. Uh, Thirty seven. I've got I've got fifteen dollars in a bag of chips. How's that sound, Greg? I want twelve million dollars. Okay, we'll get, back, we'll get back to you on that. Hmm. You're really good at negotiating. <laughs> that, that may or may not be an actual conversation. The, the sports guy is now like at another team being like, oh, 40 million? Something like that. 
Yeah. I think so. Anyway, right. sports, sporting, sports, sportage, sports. Something. How about something that's not sports, Greg? Yeah. Do you have any picks for us this week? Ooh, uh, I did not think about that. Why do you always make me go first? I never have anything, and then whatever you say, something it makes me think of something. Yeah. Well, you know. All right, I'll go first this week. Okay. I went to the movies this week, Greg. Can you cut out the whole part where I said <laughs> that I didn't know anything, so that you actually nope. go first? Nope. Nope. I am okay, the master. What did you see in the movies? I went and saw a movie called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, you finally saw I that. I went and saw it on Saturday. Was it not one let of the best be, movies you've ever seen? Let me be very clear about yeah. this film. It is a perfect movie. It really is. It is a unbelievably good movie yeah. all the way around. That is my pick. Should have got nominated for Best Picture, I what? believe. Black Panther, the... Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture. but Yeah, but they can have more than that. one movie. But what does the Oscars have a... Com- cartoon type equivalent they animated. animated yeah it got animated for best or got animated it got nominated for best animated film ah um, yeah okay so i'm pretty sure it'll win that but it was just everything about it was just so so good i thought the writing was spot on the writing was amazing the it was characters a really were good great. um it was just self-aware enough yeah not be too over- it was from a scale of like zero to deadpool it was like like a six six or seven what in like self-awareness and like or? self-awareness you know uh, how deadpool is like just very over the top with the self awareness. well the second one was horrible but the first one was really good the first one was really good but that can grate on you a little bit whereas this one was like just enough of it to like and it was also part of the story like when they were joking about how they had to keep going back over the origin stories of the different people from mm-hmm. the different universi universes that was funny and then all of a sudden the duck one shows up the pig whatever Spider pig, spider pig. Yeah, but they were doing like the origin stories. They got to the pig (laughs) and they were like, I am Peter Porker. And they made a joke about it immediately and they didn't really care about his backstory. All the, uh, all the voice actors were really good. Yeah, Uh, it was, it was really good. You know, Nicolas Cage did the spider noir man. No, which I thought was hilarious. I saw his name in the credits. I was like, what? There's a lot of people that are really, really obsessed with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. He's kind of a, pretty cool. He's kind of a, although one kind of inside joke that I have not figured out yet, and I don't know why. Um, so the main character's father, who is a police officer in New York, mm-hmm. is yeah. a big, uh, large African American gentleman. His name, his character's name, is Jefferson Davis. Okay, tell me the significance. Jefferson Davis was the vice president of the Confederate States of America. Oh, that. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that <laughs> significance, but I didn't. That was the part that I didn't understand. I was like, why is his name Jefferson Davis? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if the main character had taken his last, if, if Miles Morales had taken his last name, he'd be Miles Davis, which I think would. That's pretty cool. It's kind of funny, but the whole yeah. Jefferson Davis thing was weird. He never actually gets called Jefferson in the movie. I think they call him Jeff at some point, but kind of an odd choice for character name i don't know or it was intentional or it was intentional so with your pick spark to pick a mine what is it tell me so i went to the movies this weekend too um i went to movies twice this weekend man just an animal i know just wearing out that movie pass oh wait no i don't have it anymore (laughs) uh i went to go see the new glass movie oh not my pick mr mr Shyamalan. Yeah. Back in our back in our consciousness. With with Shyamalan movies, I'm gonna say nothing about it. People can go see it for themselves. Um 
leave it at that. You could read reviews, I'm sure, but I'm not going to ruin anything. But anyways, the pick of mine is that we went to the movies yesterday and we saw this movie by Peter Jackson that he's been working on for like his entire life. Peter Jackson, like Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson? Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, yeah. He's been working on this movie, apparently, my girlfriend told me, because it's a, it's a Warner movie, um, and he did all the Lord of the Rings with Warner Brothers, so she's known about it for a while. But he's been trying to make this movie that is a documentary-ish type movie about World War One, because his grandfather was in World War One, and um, I don't know, he just was always liked it since he was a kid. He's always liked World, the World War, um, World War One. And he made this movie where he went to the archives. There's some archives in England where they have like a ton of video that they took on the front lines of World War One in the trenches. And they're mostly of like uh, English, different divisions of the English army in the trenches in France. And they took all this footage that over the years since 1901 or whatever, sorry, <laughs> I know when the World War ended, 1917 or so, the... Um, the, they've like recopied the footage over and over and over again. And the footage has progressively gotten more grainy, scratched, ruined. The the film reels like shrunk in storage. Yeah, it was like deteriorates over deteriorates time. Deteriorates like a ton. And all kinds of fun stuff. Weird stuff. And they like copied it to like new reels of film that decreased the quality, et cetera. So he went and like took all this. The first thing that they did is they analyzed like 600 hours of footage that they recorded and I think it was like 40 hours of interviews with World War II survivors and people that were in the, in the actual military, uh, the British military. And they kind of overlaid. So, the, well, the first thing they did fundamentally is they took all the footage from those World War II scenes and they like fixed them up. They remastered them and removed all the graininess, all the color correction and he was saying he did like a 30 minute interview after the movie that was really really interesting and he talked about how that this footage has been used a ton in like bbc documentaries over the years but they took all the best footage that was the clearest and the least messed up and the best exposed and all of this stuff um, and used that for a lot of the historical documentaries in the past so he kind of went through and said i'm going to look at all the footage even like the ones that were too dark um, one thing he was talking about a lot is that back in the day, the cameras were actually moved by their hands. Right. They had so to crank them and like they had to crank them. hold them up. And the speed at which you cranked it was the, was the frame rate. Yeah. So a lot of them were like 12 frames a second, 15 frames a second, 17 weird frame rates. So they normalized all the frame rates. They fixed the exposures. They removed all the grain and they basically, and they showed like the before and after. And it like went from this like horribly scratchy film to like this perfect black and white, crystal clear picture. And then when they did that, they were able to uh, blow up the shots so that they could actually like take some artistic merit with it and like focus in on different people and like kind of pan and do zooms and like Ken Burnsy type stuff a little bit. Ooh, fun. Uh, not like Ken Burns style, but like legit style, like artistically. Um, and then the other thing they did is they colorized all the shots. So they went in and like, added the color of the grass. He was talking about how he like went to the same front lines in France and like took thousands of pictures of the grass to make sure he got the grass right. And the uniforms, like he's been collecting World War One uniforms for like years. So at his house in um, New Zealand, he has just like stockpiles of World War II memorabilia. 
So he like used that to get the colors of the suits right and everything. And they, the other thing they did that was really insane is they took lip syncers and they went into all the video and they um, figured out what they were saying and then had someone with that, like a British accent, record, re-record what they were saying and then superimpose it with ADR on top of it. And then basically they cut all of those scenes with the interviews that they had with all the people talking about life in the front lines and then basically recreated this 90-minute movie about the life of a soldier from like being recruited, joining up to being in training, being in the trenches, people dying around you to the final like push over the over the no man's land. Talked about mustard gas and like all this. It was just crazy. Mm. It's really good. What is this film called, Greg? It is called I said it in the beginning, but it is uh They Shall Not Grow Old. By it's, Peter Jackson and Friends. By Peter Jackson, yeah. Very interesting. It has a 98% liked on uh, Google users, 97% Rotten Tomatoes. It's Spider-Man was 98 on Rotten Tomatoes, but I digress. Well, whatever. Spider-Man is a different kind of movie. <laughs> All right. So whatever movie you're in, folks, if you want to have fun, go see Spider-Man. If you want to nerd out and talk for 20 fun. minutes about World War One, go see They Will Not Grow Old. Nice. Is that, what kind of release is that? Is that like one of those things where you have to go to like one hole in the wall place in Los Angeles to watch it? Or is it- <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is a, it is one of those things. I think it's got a decent release, but we saw it in Burbank at the AMC. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of those theaters where only the, yeah, it is one of those theaters. Okay. Well, but it'll eventually be out on other stuff. Well, if people want to know where it is, Greg, they'll just at you on Twitter maybe. At I mean, on Twitter. if you can't find it with Google, I'll definitely email you that, back. You know what? Just, you just, back. just hit him directly. Just say, "Hey, Greg, where is this film playing? Can you look it up? Can you Google it for me?" Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, write up a box. Greg loves back the engagement on Twitter. He loves totally. it when you guys send him messages and such. So definitely hit him up there. I'll just write a Twitter bot that sends back a "Let me Google this for you" link. That sounds perfect to me. That sounds like some machine learning. Well, we'll maybe, see if that maybe ever happens. have it take a picture of you, with like a thumbs up. It will take a picture of me Googling it for you and then send back a let me That's perfect. for you. Link. That's perfect with your, with your camera on your phone. Yeah. You know, we'll just, we'll just get right on the specs of that program. We'll work on it. Don't worry about yeah. it. This also works. If you add me, I'll let Greg know. I'll add him. So I'm at Al Park. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll let you know how to get in touch with Greg. I'm at Al Park. <laughs> He's at Al Park. <laughs> uh, the show is on the internet. Right now we are at a different website. We're at publicfunction.fireside.fm. Why is that? Uh, that's the one that they gave us. That's what no. Why is that we don't here. have the the real one? We have the domain. We have publicfunction.show. I'm not finished. I'm I'm in the process of. No, what, 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 why is it? Why is it not up? Do you want us to switch it? No, no, no. Why have you not finished the website? I'm still working on it. I'm very detail oriented about the design, Greg. I have to pick a very specific shade of yellow. Did you vignette all the photos? I'm vignetting all the photos. Sure, sure, sure. That's sure, an sure. inside joke. We're, we're still working on a new website, but we are at publicfunction.fireside.fm. You can also email the show at hello at publicfunction.show uh, or just at Greg. That's probably the easiest way. I mean, yeah, just at to Al Park. Totally. At Al Park. I'm the one. Uh, we're on Twitter as well. The show is on Twitter at a public function. Let us know. Let us know if Greg is crazy for not actually having a real camera when he really wants a real camera. Totally. Yeah. Let, ask, ask I do have a real camera. It's called an iPhone. Oh my God. It just has weird lens flares. Hashtag shot on a real camera. Hashtag shot on an iPhone. Maybe I should enter Tim Cook's thing. Maybe you should. 
You can I'll be on send a him a picture of Johnny Ive. You can be on a billboard. You'll see yourself on the way to work. I'll great. do a, a portrait of Johnny Ive where his white clothes are reflecting too much light into the lens of my camera and you get lens flare. Oh my God. It would be like a JJ will have something to say about it'll that. It'll be an interesting introspective art project on iPhones. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Cool. Greg, see you next week. See you next week.